Amen. We're so excited about launching this new sermon series this morning. We're just simply calling this Go, uh, our actions that impact eternity. And we're so thankful for those of you that are in the house. Man, what a packed house today. Uh, our greeters were helping folks find seats. We love that. And uh, had a great crowd in first service, and, and God moved in a powerful way. Uh, we are so thankful. Let me just do something really personal this morning. Apologize, try not to do this kind of stuff, but today is sort of a cool day, and I wanted to just say thank you, most importantly. Um, 21 years ago today, uh, I preached uh, my first sermon as pastor of Tupelo Free Will Baptist Church uh, in those days. And 21 years ago today, uh, Blynn and I uh, came here and God uh, has done uh, things in our lives that we would have never dreamed of. And just thank you guys for being a part of that journey. Uh, I used to say for years, uh, some of you, handful of you guys have been here through the whole 20 some odd um, tough years. Uh, anyway, and all that, I used to say, man, uh, you know, we're just getting started. We're just halfway through. Uh, I've changed that a little bit. Give me 10 more years and uh, I'm out. But anyway, uh, so we're uh, so thankful to be a part of what God is doing here. And uh, this is way personal. Normally don't do this, but just uh, awkward. But here it is. Uh, thank you guys so much for loving on us over the uh, past 21 years. And last year, the deacons uh, went above and beyond. They were so gracious in you as a congregation. And the deacons uh, met with us, and for our 20th anniversary, uh, they just said, we want you to go away for a while. And so anyway, and so uh, the church collected, and uh, you guys gave us a, uh, a, tr a trip, and you told us to pick out the place, and so we did. And so in September, uh, we didn't do this last year because of the fact that we were coming out of COVID. Uh, we had four deaths in the church family. Uh, I had had a lot of health issues. And we just didn't sense that I needed to be away. And so we really just stayed in and, and kept leading. And, um, but uh, the deacons were pretty tough about this. And they said, you got to go. And so uh, they bought us tickets and our, helped us fund the tickets. And so in September, uh, Blynn and I will take um, that trip that you guys have given to us. We're going to go to Aruba for a week, just her and I. And uh, just thank you guys. Thank you so much. And we appreciate that. We're blessed. And just so you know, uh, the deacons were animate about this. They, uh, they gave Belen a round-trip ticket, and they gave me a one-way. But anyway, uh, so we're glad. We appreciate that, and uh, they're so cool. Uh, today, we're launching into a new sermon series, enough of that kind of stuff. Uh, and we're talking to you guys in this new teaching series about a passage that really sums up the entire Bible. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I am very nervous about preaching this text today because it is literally the climax of everything that happened with Christ in his ministry. Uh, I'm getting ready to say stuff that every one of you, if you've ever been to church at all, you're familiar with. And uh, every pastor avoids this. Uh, we don't preach on this because you all don't like to hear this. And so I'm just setting it up. Uh, and, and I know as we hear this part of the story, we're going to talk to you guys about the Great Commission. It is found at the end of the book of Matthew. And in the book of Matthew, he brings it all to, a, to a sort of this climax point. And here's what what's going on in the context. Jesus has been to the cross. He's been nailed to the cross for your sins and for mine. We and our sin debt has been paid once and for all. And as we just sing about in such a glorious way, as Taylor led us into worship, he didn't just 
get nailed to a cross for your sins and mine, but he arose. He is alive, and he is in the room this morning. Can I get a witness? Amen? Are you believing that this morning? He is here today. And as Jesus was alive in his final words on planet earth. So when we call this the great commission, are you translating why we call it such an important thing? Matter of fact, if you were to translate it out, it's really just, it's more than just the great commission. Jesus is saying, this is my mission. This is what I came for. He will invite not only his 11 disciples to a mountain outside of Galilee, but he will take them up on this mountain. We don't know by Bible scholarship which mountain he selected, but we do know this, that probably as many as 500 other disciples join with Jesus on the mountain. And I believe that he took them up there because not only was it a mountaintop experience, but he was saying, I want you to look down and you can see the better part of Israel. If you look over here to your left, you can see the other nations, the Gentile nations, go. Go. And as you go, know that I go with you. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. All power has been given to me, and I send you to go on this mission. Now, I know this morning, let me just stop. And so, Church folks are sitting, oh great, we're going to be preaching on the Great Commission. God's calling us to Africa. And so you're already tuning out, you've already checked out, uh, you're already on your phone, you're in an imaginary place, stop it. I'm telling you, we're going to take a fresh approach. I dare say most of you have never heard this approach that we're going to share with you today on the Great Commission. I promise you it's going to be different than what you've heard in the past, even from me. We're going to take a fresh look at this story because it's not so much about you as it is about the power of God in us and through us. And we're going to help you tap into that power. And it's time you quit trying to do this on your own, through your own talents, through your own attitude, through your own whatever whimsical things. It's time that you tap into the power of Jesus and let him lead you on this mission of going. So what does it look like? Let me illustrate it for you guys. You ready? Um, I'm a guy, I'm a dude, so I love trucks, all right? So man, I'm, you know, I'm in Mississippi, so you got to like trucks if you're in Mississippi. And so I uh, had a truck and uh, for 20 years, had a truck, uh, just got a new one last year, and hopefully next 20 years that'll be my truck. But anyway, uh, so I like trucks. And my favorite commercials about trucks is when they're pulling boats, uh, and especially when they pull a boat uphill. Uh, you know, they just, you know, you can hear that engine roar, and they're pulling this big old giant boat. Uh, some of you guys have got fishing boats out here. Uh, you just picture it, man, you know, Shebar's got his boat, Walt had in his first one. Nothing better than watching your boat, you know, get pulled by that truck. You feel like a man. And so you got this uh, truck pulling the boat, but for, so let me just illustrate it. Let me get, I got a couple of word visuals for you. For those of you who are Ford, here's what it's like when you guys pull the boats. And don't worry, I got you Dodge guys. All right, so this is what it looked like when you Dodge guys pulled the boat uh, and, and get all that. So I know you're getting ready to walk out and you're getting ready to throw stones at me and all this. So you can tell by now uh, I'm a Chevy guy. And so let me, before you get mad and, and fire me as your pastor of your church, uh, let me just tell you this morning, I've got an argument to make. All right, you ready? So here's my argument. One of the greatest American patriotic songs 
of my generation. And they drove the Chevy to the levee. <laughs> but the levee was dry. Hang with me. And good old Baptist boys, <laughs> I'm going to be careful here, were eating crispy cream and pie until the day they die. <laughs> y'all thought, thought I was going to go there, didn't you? Anyway, and so, uh, but, uh, so I'm just telling you that's my argument. But back to the story uh, is there's nothing like watching your truck uh, pull that boat up a hill. And you realize this morning, now here's the object lesson of why I told that story. You realize that big old fancy boat, that boat that you know, realize that you know, you're carrying up there, it is not doing a John Brown thing. The boat is not going up that hill. It has no ability to get anywhere. It looks pretty. It's awesome, and you can't wait it to get it in the water. But that boat has no value. It is literally sitting there. You see, the only way that boat gets to the water, the only way it makes it up the hill, is by the power that's under the hood of that truck. You see, the, the boat has to attach itself to the power of the truck or it's going nowhere and is absolutely useless. And so you wonder why you and your personal walk with Christ are not discipling anybody. You're not winning anybody to Christ. Maybe it's because you're not being obedient. You're trying out of your own talents. You're trying out of your own methods. You need something to stir you up. No, what we need to do is get plugged in to the power source and the power will pull us to where we need to go. That's going to be the difference of what we learn about the Great Commission that you've not been aware of. We have guilted you for years. You need to go do this. You need to knock on doors. You need to be involved in bus ministry. You need to do this. And what we've not helped you realize is God is not calling you to do most of those things. What he's calling you to do is to attach yourself to the power source and allow the Holy Spirit to direct your personality in his mission, his Great Commission of simply going. So by now, you figured out where we're getting this idea of the Go Sermon series. If you will, turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. And here's where we launch this today. The first lesson that we're going to teach you, we're going to have four weeks that we're going to cover this. And, and I know you're thinking, oh man, uh, I'm telling you, it's going to be cool and it's going to be transformational in your heart, in your life. Uh, and here's the thing, is that we're going to teach you guys about going powerfully. We're not going to accomplish this goal until we go powerfully. The Great Commission was not meant to simply be analyzed or to have another book or watch another uh, sermon on or something to think about. There's a lot to think about in here, but really the Great Commission is it was given by Jesus. Are you getting this? It was to awaken the disciples' hearts, just like it is here this morning. It was to motivate us to do something with it. I am tired of us talking about discipleship, talking about wanting to do something more in our life. Listen to me. I know that some of y'all are tuning this out, and depending on your personality and whatever you're at in your journey, and you've been in church a long time, I know what you're thinking. And I get it. And this is why I'm terrified of this message. The truth is, is that when we start hearing stuff like this, and you've heard it all your life, man, here comes another guilt sermon. 
Here comes another sermon about, you know, and man, I am not about to go tell somebody about Jesus because they're going to ask me a question that I won't know and I'm going to feel stupid. Can I help you out? First of all, it's probably not going to be the first time you felt stupid because I know most of you are, all right? Uh, And secondly, you need to know that's not what we're asking you to do. That's not what Jesus was asking you to do. We've got the whole thing backwards. That Jesus is not asking you to go to, to somebody that you don't know. What we're, we're, what we're prepping you guys for today in this message is that we've never tapped into the power of saying the Holy Spirit is going to bring people into my life. And, and the Holy Spirit is already working. We call these people of peace. God, do you believe that God is in this room this morning? Do you believe that he's in your heart? in your life this morning, then why aren't we listening to that source to tell us who to go to? You see, it's about you and I figuring out, listening to the Holy Spirit. He's not wanting us to go knock on the door and somebody's going to shoot at us. What he's wanting us to do is you go, I want you to listen to my Holy Spirit because there's going to be certain people that are hungry for the gospel, that are hungry for truth. I've got them out there. I'm just waiting on an army of people to come get them. It's not doing the kind of stuff the way we've thought about it. And so, here's what, 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 let me give you an illustration. Last week, um, we were in Veracruz, and last Sunday morning, I was preaching um, in Spanish, and I was going, I let us no, and anyway, all right, they were translating, but anyway, and so, last Sunday morning, we had a great service, preaching there, and translating, Doug did a great job, and then Sunday night, he did something really interesting is he brought us together and he talked to us in, uh, in the church. And he brought all of, and so we sat in a huge circle last Sunday night at the church in Veracruz. And so you had all of the Mexican church over here and you had us, gringos over here on the left. And so he got us together and he said, uh, um, what is, and he asked the question to both groups. And so he said to us from Connect, he said, you know, what is the greatest fear and challenges that you guys have in America? And then he asked the the, the church in Mexico. What are, you, what are your greatest fears and challenges? And what was crazy, wasn't it, Shelley, was that what they answered was is the exact same thing as us. They just said our greatest fear and challenge in the Mexican church is how do you raise your kids and your grandkids in a country that doesn't honor God in a society that has nothing to do with God, that is seemingly going to hell all around us, how do you keep your kids on the right track following Jesus Christ? How do you help them survive the culture that is around them? How does the church come alongside a younger generation and raise them to stay faithful to Jesus was their greatest concern. And we're like, dude, yeah, that's us too. And the answer is found in the text today. Grandparents, parents, all of us, this is how we change the culture and save a generation. Dr. David Garland, New Testament scholar, he says this about the text. This is the theological ground that we land on today, and then we're going to be a lot more practical. He says the great I want you to take a picture of this quote. The Great Commission looks outward to thrust us into making disciples. In other words, we've got to go. The Great Commission also looks inward because it speaks to the ongoing transformation of those who have become disciples. I want to pause there for just a second. Ladies and gentlemen, I need you to hear me this morning. 
The truth is, preachers don't preach on the Great Commission anymore. And it's because y'all don't want to hear it. You know what it is? I'm going to talk to you about why you don't like hearing this in just a minute. But the truth is, you don't like hearing this. And so we know where our bread is buttered. I got it right finally. I said that quote right. Anyway, uh, and uh, we, we, so, so we don't preach on it. A recent survey by, survey by Barnes said that 32% of churchgoers have never heard the term Great Commission. That's embarrassing because we haven't understood. Look at me. The reason some of you are unfulfilled in your marriages with your kids, you're living in fear. Your grandkids, you're terrified. You know the country is literally going to hell. We're experiencing that. And all we do is gripe and bellyache and complain about how bad it is. And yet we don't do anything to see the transformation What's missing in your spiritual discipleship is obedience to the Great Commission. There will be nothing that will light your fire and help you be a better spouse to get you excited about your faith. It's not a seminar. It's not even Brother Terry's sermon. It's not reading a new book. What will excite and motivate your faith? None other. It is simply being obedient to make disciples and start doing it. Go! Transformation happens in your life when you guys become obedient to do the Great Commission. There's no shortchanging it. There's no other way around it. You're going to hear a story today about a guy that's watching his life be transformed by obedience to the Great Commission. In two weeks, I'm going to bring more people up on the stage, and you're going to hear stories of a family that has brought more people to this church in my 20 years than anybody else and, and that I've been here in, in, in this time. I'm telling you, transformation is happening in people's lives because y'all are becoming obedient, and it's not going to happen any other way. You've got to start going. The, the Great Commission looks upward because only disciples have the power of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, inside of them. Do you all believe that this morning? And if you do, then this is what we're going to land on, the power of the Great Commission. This is a holy ground text. Would you care to stand with me this morning? This is truly Jesus' words, the Great Commission uh, we need to honor it this morning. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But then there was some of you all, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said unto them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what do you do? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And now here's the key that we're getting at today. Over the next four weeks, we're going to help you unpack all of this and the practicality of it. But here's where we're landing at today. And behold, I am with you always 
to the end of the age. You may be seated. Immediately after the resurrection, Jesus gathers probably around 500 people on top of the mountain and gives them this great commission. And he, notice what he begins with. I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Now I need you to pull up your scriptures, whether you got it on your phone uh, or on your app or, or on your Bible with you or with you on your, in your Bible, whatever. And anyway, I've done this for a living. Uh, and so I want you to highlight the word uh, uh, all power and authority. I want you to highlight that. I mean all authority. I want you to highlight the word authority. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to write in your Bible the word power. I want you to write in your word. And, and I know you're saying, well, I shouldn't write in your Bible. Yes, you should. Uh, you realize this book is just a translation of the inspired word of God. Write notes in it. And so here's what I want you to do. The word authority means the word power. So he says, we've been given all power to do this task of going. Now, uh, he says to you and I, I want you to understand that my power has been given to you. I'm going to go with you. And then notice what happens next in the verse as we unpack it a little bit deeper. He then says, therefore... Now, let me help you out. Anybody ever read the Bible here? Okay, don't raise your hands. That's embarrassing. All right. Uh, and when you read the Bible, let me help you out with a great Bible study technique. When you come across the word, therefore, when you're reading the Bible, here's what you stop and do. You ask yourself, What's it there for? Uh, you got that? All right, anytime you come across the word, therefore, you stop and ask yourself, What's it there for? Because what's getting ready to happen next is going to be big. And that's exactly what happens in the text. He says, therefore, based upon this power that has been given to you, simply go. Don't you love it that God knew Mississippi people would need it simple? Amen? He just simply says, I want you all to go. And, and so I want you all to say it with me this morning. Everybody, you with me? On the count of three, here's what God is asking you to do today. This isn't complicated. This isn't hard. You don't need a theological study on this one. He's simply saying, go. On the count of three, let's say it. One, two, three. That's pretty good. That's impressive. Uh, we only have to do that once. Man, you guys blew me away. All right, so here we are. So he says to us, I want you to go. Now it's time that we really carry this out. Everybody go. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Now you know why I have the sermon series called Go. In the Greek word, now here's the key. And this is the cool part. The word go in the Greek, in the original language, it's called basically, I'm going to sort of butcher this a little bit, but it's an active uh, presence is what it's talking about. So here's what he means, and this is where we've got it wrong. He's not saying, I want you to go one time. He's saying, I not want you to go to Africa. I'm not wanting you to go knock on a door or, or, a, or a bus ministry. What he's saying, as you go, take my message with you. Wherever you go. So here's what it looks like. This is so different. This is what we've not heard about it. So when you wake up on Monday morning, forget that. When you go to lunch today, here in about an hour. All right? And so when you guys go to lunch today, I'm just kidding. We actually got out early for a certain. And so when you go to lunch today, as you go to lunch, you take the gospel with you. And while you're at lunch today, and that waitress who's the only working, the only person in that apparent restaurant that's working, and you're waiting an hour for your food, what you're going to simply say to her today is, is there something that I could pray for you about? 
you really seem tired. And what she's going to do is just say, what? Because nobody ever asked her about her. They only are griping about the food. When you go to work tomorrow, what we're, as you go to work, you take the gospel with you. As you go to school tomorrow, you take the gospel with you. And what you're doing is, is, is you're taking with his power. So what we're asking you all to do what Jesus was asking you to do is not go cold turkey and go up to somebody that you've never met, never heard of, and go, are you going to heaven or hell, and watch them punch you out. Or go knock on a door. I'm not doing door-to-door visitation anymore because everybody in Mississippi has a gun, and I like my life. We're not doing children's bus ministry anymore. Because it was good in those seasons and those times, but the methods change. What Jesus was saying all along, and I think we missed it up even then, is what we should have been doing is just simply saying, Tony, when you go to work, well, you're not a good case because you work at home. All right, uh, somebody that actually has a job. All right, Bobby, when you go to work uh, and you go to, to, to work on cars, if the Holy Spirit puts somebody into your life, a person of peace, And the Holy Spirit says, hey, I got this one, Pratt. Just put a word in for me. What I want you all to do is go to school. So as you go, you take the gospel with you. And when the Holy Spirit impresses on you to say something about him, you don't have to go and get into a theological discussion. You just simply put a word in for God, and you're going to hear a testimony of what that looks like in just a minute. So y'all getting this down, that is a whole different mindset than what we've had in the past. And this is why I think that most of you all don't go. is because you think it's so much bigger or harder than what it is. And that was never more evident and I'm going to bust out my generation when we were in Veracruz last week. So Miss Marie, um, we came down to Friday night. Uh, the team, uh, we had been uh, working with the VBS that f- last Friday morning. A lot of things have happened since Mexico. But we were working with the VBS that day. Um, most of us were observing. Kina actually taught in Spanish. It was so, uh, she, she really has one moment of coolness. Anyway, and so, uh, it was just one. Uh, and anyway, and so she did a fantastic job. Hector trained her. And so uh, we had the v- so we came back that night, uh, and what we told the church to do, and Tanner and Doug worked this out, and it was just an awesome idea is Doug, our missionary, he said to the church, he said, we want you all to go home. You guys have worked all week long with dozens of, I mean, uh, literally uh, a bunch of kids and had half a dozen or a dozen get saved, I think, that week. And so Doug just said, you know what? The Americans are going to come back in tonight. You guys are tired and they're just going to clean the church. They're going to mop They're going to get the bleach out, and they're going to put the rooms back together, and they're going to get your church ready for Sunday morning. You all go home, and do you just get to see their faces? To know Americans, we're going to clean for them and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so Doug gathered us in that night, and before we went to cleaning, and I was, I was going to, I, was spend, I would spend an hour and a half training preachers. One of the highlights of my ministry poured into 11 pastors from Mexico that night. But as the team got ready, Doug gathered us in a room, and he asked us this question. And Doug said, and I want you to answer the question as well this morning. Doug asked our group, what is one thing 
that would scare you to death if God asked you to do that you're like, no, 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 that's just too big. That's, you know, I'm not going there. I'm not going to do that. What is something that you're terrified that God is going to ask you to do that just blows your mind and you're just, I'm not willing to go there. That's just too big. I I don't even, I I don't want to get that close to God because I'm afraid he might ask that question. And so as he asked that question, it went around the room. And now here's sort of the indictment on my generation. And it's my fault and us pastors' fault. So I'm not blaming our folks, but sort of. But anyway, and every one of us that were older, you know how we answer the question? I'm terrified. And you know what I'm thinking? If you're older generation, you grew up in the church, God's going to ask me to go to Africa. Oh, and every one of our group, of us older people, every one of, like, I don't want to be a missionary. I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to leave Mississippi. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And almost every one of us, to a, to a turn, we all said, just, God, I'm afraid that you're going to ask me to go be a missionary and, and, and all of that. And then we got to the Gen Zs in our group. And Jonathan and Hannah... They're in their 20s or 30 now. And um, he asked them the same question. And this was a real, or in their 20s, sorry. Uh, this, is, this is a real indictment on the rest of us. Is they said, and we're not worried about that. They said what happened the other night in our lives, when the Gen Z couple were just praying together, They said the Holy Spirit tugged at their hearts, engaged in discipleship. And they said that God has asked us to go to the homeless in Tupelo and to go and just let them know that we love them. And so the Holy Spirit called them, and Jonathan and Hannah are not like big fuzzy type people, but the Holy Spirit was calling them to do what they were uncomfortable with. And so they got goodie bags together and in obedience to what God was calling them, the Great Commission, they went downtown and passed out care packages, just little bitty, nice little trinkets to help the homeless. And Tony, I couldn't help but think that we have made such an excuse of us older generation of not sharing the gospel at work, not sharing the gospel at school, not telling anybody else about Jesus because we're afraid that if we go down this road that God's going to call us to Africa. Can I put this to rest once and for all? God is not asking hardly, 99.9% of you are never going to be called to be a missionary. 99% of you are never going to be called to go to Africa. And you want to know why? Because you would suck at it. The truth of the matter is, when I was coming up in college, I was on the foreign missions leadership team, and I was president of the mission department at Welch College, and I was like begging God to let me be a missionary. I was married to Belen, and she's already a little bit foreign thing. And so, so I was like, you know, we've already got it set up, and we're going to go be missionaries. I probably didn't come out right. And so, you know, you know, and so in those days, it wasn't cool to have somebody like that. And so we were just did it before it was cool. And so like God's going to call us to be missionaries. And then I realized God said no. And then years later, Belen would explain to me why God wouldn't let me be a missionary. Because Belen looked at me on our first mission trip together when we were in Cuba, and she goes, I figured out why God never let us go to the mission field. You would offend everybody. 
She goes, you say stupid things that are just not culturally appropriate. And no wonder God would never, uh, matter of fact, you offend Americans. Uh, so there's no wonder uh, that God is going to call us. And she was right. I'm not cut out as much as I want to go. God was saying no in my life because my personality type is not a good fit to be a missionary. I'm just too me. And, and so you got to know that God's not calling you all to be something you're not cut out to be. What he is calling you all to do is go every day to work, to school, and every part of your life, and to the restaurant, and to Walmart, and to take Jesus with you every day of your life. So quit making excuses and ignoring the Great Commission and let's start doing it where you're at. That's so cool. And by the way, and next week you're going to hear about and Tanner's going to do a fantastic job, there will be a few of you, a handful, that he's going to call to the mission field and go when he does. But for the majority of us, it's taking Jesus with us where we're at. And so I said all that to say this, because Jesus lives, we have an impelling purpose for our lives. Write this down. All of us have a central calling, all of us, not just the missionaries, to make disciples of all nations. And Matthew gospel shows us how. You remember back in the day, we guilted you guys into the methodologies of we had to do, uh, uh, some of y'all remember, we used to do bus ministry. Some of y'all got saved because of a bus ministry that went and picked up kids in the neighborhood. It was very successful here, by the way, in the 70s in this church. But you can't do that nowadays. You pull up to a neighborhood and say to the parents, hey, or say to little kids, come get on our van. Uh, they're, they're probably not going to get on your van. Uh, it's a white van. Uh, anyway, and so uh, it's just not going to work. And we laugh at that, but there's still people that are trying to say, we need to do the, you know, the bus ministry. It was good for its season, but that methodology has changed. And again, we're not asking you to go door to door cold turkey and just, you know, knock somebody up inside the head and say, you realize you're going to hell without Jesus. We're asking you to do that. It's just not going to work. You go knock on doors in Mississippi and you're going to get shot. Here's what Dr. Charles Swindell says, and this is what we're trying to teach you guys. We need to quit worshiping the methodologies and we need to go with the power of Jesus. And here's what he says. Jesus was intense about the mission, but relaxed regarding the method. In other words, methods will change. And so he's reminding you and I today that it's about going with the power of Jesus. He goes on to say, Jesus expected all of his disciples to be engaged in his work. All of us, not just those that show up on Thursday night as active and excited participants. One last warning to all of us older folks. You know how we got out of sharing the gospel because the pastor would get up and preach on the Great Commission in the day. And I did it too. We did every Thursday night visitation program. Ed Harrell, Bob Tubb, Brother Terry, Belinda, and Miss Shirley. And we went and knocked on doors. And what we set a tone was, is if you're really spiritual, then you'll come out on Thursday nights. And the truth is, that wasn't accurate. 
You see, what we should have been teaching is what I'm teaching today, is what Jesus taught. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, you're on mission. As you go, take the gospel with you every day of your life. So what does that look like? I want you this morning uh, to understand, get out your notes, and I'm going to give you real quickly, I'm going to wrap this up, and here's some practical ways. Over the next four weeks, we're going to share with you guys practical tips. Uh, These are going to come from Pastor Nelson Searcy this morning, and we're going to share with you methodologies that we want you to use. Uh, Taylor's already put together, uh, we're going to share with you in two weeks uh, how to go into your neighborhood. We're going to put together a welcome box and we're going to show you what to put in it and so that when people move into your neighborhood we're going to give you tools and resources how to pray and go we're going to share with you some methodologies but today uh, I'm not focused in on that that's coming down the road you're going to hear stories of how God is using people like you all to do this but here's where the focus today accept God's power to go you, you, I got to get you guys off the launch pad here we've got to get ready to fulfill the great commission and so this morning I want you to understand understand God never forces anyone to love him. Hear me this morning real quickly. Let me say that again. God never forces anyone to love him. You see, we don't believe that only certain people have been predestined to be saved. We believe that God calls us. Nobody gets saved without God inviting us and doing the work of our salvation. Salvation has nothing to do with you being good or you doing this or you doing that. Salvation is completely and and completely is done by Jesus, okay? Uh, And it is fulfilled by him. However, in that process, he invites us to join him because it's just the same. Have any of you all ever told a woman to marry you? You're going to love me. I got news for you. Donut, you can do whatever you want, but you ain't getting no woman to marry you if you tell her to love you. She has to make a choice. Now, that's going to be a tough call in your case, but keep working on it. Uh, so the truth of the matter is, is that we, we're all, love is not forced upon us. Love is a choice. We choose to love. And so he says, how are these people going to be saved if we don't tell them about God loves them? So our calling is is to take the gospel to them and to know that Jesus is going to go with us. All authority, all power in heaven and earth goes with us to do this process. Finally, do you believe that God is with you? Do you believe that God is with you in this moment right now? Do you believe he's here? Do you believe that God is in this place? If you do, then what is keeping you from living your life on mission for him? Because God is here right now. He is with us. And he's saying, I want you to go in my power. Principle number two, we've got to care enough about them to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to ask Terry Brooks if he would to make his way to the stage. Uh, Terry is in my D group. And again, notice what happens in discipleship. You're going to hear his story this morning. Terry's in my discipleship group. And what we do is we're walking through the Gospel of John. Remember what we talked about, the transformation? What God is doing, Terry's been in church a long time because he's old. You're, you're what a couple years younger than me so yeah, same age as me yeah so anyway and so uh so we we've been there and what terry and tony and josh have all testified to this year in discipleship 
is that God has transformed their marriages. He's in the process of transforming them, seeing everything as dads, as granddads uh, differently. And what God is doing is because he's teaching us not church, but the Holy Spirit and leaning upon the Holy Spirit's power. So you know what that looks like? Folks, what we're asking you to do, and we're going to give you more details to this, first measure is just to pray and say, God, you bring people into my life. Not Brother Terry having a Thursday night visitation, but as you all go your places that I'll never go, God, you bring people into my life, and when your Holy Spirit compels me, I'm going to put a word in for you and let you do the rest. I believe God is preparing people for salvation choice all around us. We're just not seeing it because we don't care. And we've made every excuse of why we don't care. So here's Terry's story. Uh, Terry, a few um, uh, weeks ago, was in our D group. And so I was really hammering down on them. And we asked this accountability question every, every time we meet every other week. Uh, have you shared your faith with somebody else that's not saved? Have you shared your faith? Have you found somebody? Who's, God, who's that person of peace that God's leading you to? If God didn't lead you to somebody that week, that's cool. But if God is leading you, who did you share your faith with? So here's Terry's story about God leading a person of peace into his life. Yeah, like he said, I was telling this story during, during a deal. And uh, I had a moment where a backstory was on my way to work, I used that time, and I work at the hospital, been there a long time, know a lot of people, park in the old garage, the elevators half time don't work, but anyway, I get there, and I park, I'm doing my thing, I get to the elevator, and there's, you know, I see the same people most every day, and this lady and another lady, and we get on there, and this lady, she just seemed like she was really, something was really bothering her bad. And I didn't really say anything other than this morning, you know, good morning. She let me know that it was not a good morning. And we all know when a woman tells you it's not a good morning, you better walk away. So we get that, all right? So we well, know that look. So I just left that alone. Uh, I know this lady and her husband, they both work there. And a couple other days go by, happens again. We get right back on the same elevator, there we are. And I'm standing in the elevator and I, it, it just hit me and she's right here, another lady, and about the time we get to the top, and I just leaned over and I just told her, I said, I'll pray for you. And when I did, she just dropped her head and started crying and weeping. So you made a and, lady cry. Yeah. <laughs> call my wife and tell her. I made a, I made a woman cry. He tells us in the D group, he goes, man, I made this lady ball. She's just pouring out. And he said, immediately I called Susan and go, I made a woman cry at the work. Anyway, it's okay. Yes, you, you're an idiot, she says, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I grab the door and they hurry up and they rush off. And as I go across the garage, I continue, you know, I just start to pray for her and her husband. I had no idea what's going on with them. It's none of my business. I just seen somebody that that was hurting, you know, they, they, uh, I've known her for a long time. I've never seen her act like this. Yeah. Uh, a few weeks later, uh, it happens again. We get on the same elevator. She's in a lot better mood. She's talking with the other ladies in, you know, that's on, on the elevator. And then Susie calls me and she says, you want to go get something to eat? And I'm sure she comes by and she picks me up and we're driving along behind the hospital. 
And I'm sitting there, and I said, uh, you see that woman right there? She's like, yeah. I said, that's the one. <laughs> that you made cry. Yeah, that I made cry. And the truth of the matter is, is here's the thing. How long you been going to the hospital working there? 29 years. So 29 years. And this is for all of us. And this is what I want you to get today as we wrap this up. 29 years. Are you getting this? My brother. I love this dude. He has a great heart for God been a Sunday school teacher in this church for years. Been through a lot of hell in his life. Both sides. But for 29 years, he never went on visitation in church because it wasn't his thing. 29 years he went to the hospital and he's never said a word like that for Jesus. How many times are we going through our lives day after day, year after year, and these kind of people are all around us, and we never take the time to say, Holy Spirit, just let me put a word in. Can I pray for you? Is there anything I can help you with? Who knows what God used that day to make a difference in that lady's life? You realize she was probably fighting Satan and hell, and who knows what was going on in her life, but Jesus used Terry that day to be his hands and his feet, because Jesus cared about that woman and that that hospital. Jesus knows the hell she's going through. And he said, I want to send a voice to her to let her know, don't listen to the devil. Don't you give up. Don't you die and go to hell. And he used this dude's simple saying, I'm praying for you to be the voice of Jesus in that lady's life. And that's what he's wanting to use you today. The reason some of y'all are frustrated with your homes, your marriage, your kids, is because you've all centered around. We got to pray protect our kids. We got to circle the wagons at the church. We got to worry about the devil. No! We need to take the gospel to the devil because we care for people. That's what he's called us to do. And so this morning, the final point of this message is simply this. Give Terry a round of applause, man. I appreciate this. Y'all got me fired up and I broke my watch again. So here's the thing. How can they hear? How can they hear unless someone tells them, God says go. And as you go, take me with you. Would you stand with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We thank you for speaking into our hearts the power of the Great Commission, the power for you to go with us You're not asking us to go explain the Bible to somebody. You're just asking us to go and offer, can I pray for you? Can I tell you about what God is doing in my church? We're going to hear in two weeks the story of a family, like I said, that's brought more people to this church in my 20 years here. And they just keep telling everybody around them, you got to come to my church and see what God is doing in my life, my mom's life, my kids' lives. Because God is moving, and he wants to use us to help be the hands and feet of Jesus. There's somebody at your school, teenager, that needs to hear that Jesus loves them. They're in a home where their parents abuse them, sexually abuse them. There's a co-worker at your factory. There's a co-worker in your office. There's somebody around you that's going to literally die and go to hell, and they've never heard the words of Jesus love them. 
and they're waiting on you to be Terry Brooks and just say, can I pray for you? I want you to know that Jesus does care. How will they know? How will they know? How will they know if no one goes to tell them? Folks, are you ready? Not for Thursday night visitation, but guys, are you ready to go? And as you go, let's take the power of Jesus with us. If you're here this morning, you've never been saved, we're going to invite you to come and our counselors will meet with you and pray with you. Some of you may need to come today and say, God, I've been doing, busy doing everything else, been trying to be a super mom, super dad, and today I've got to get back to making disciples. Enough excuses. I'm starting to live my life on mission. Forgive me, Lord. If you need to come, would you come as we sing? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.